0: welcome to banking on kc i'm your host kelly scanlon thank you for joining us with us on this episode is john mikos the president and ceo of the ymca of greater kansas city welcome john thank you
1: glad to be here
0: i am excited about a big announcement that you have you just formed a partnership with kc current tell us about the details of that relationship.
1: Yeah, very excited about this. And for those who are not aware, Kansas City Currents, the new women's professional soccer team that's now in Kansas City. And we've announced a partnership where they are gonna be working with us to be able to support our youth and Betty soccer programs, which are for the younger age groups, as well as our Challenger program, which is specifically for those individuals with physical disabilities. So the program is gonna begin this spring and we couldn't be more excited with the relationship With the KC Current.
0: You mentioned the youth soccer programs. The YMCA, though, is so multifaceted. And in a way, it's a bit of a challenge to figure out where to start. As, for example, when I was growing up, I knew the Y basically as a sports league. When people said the Y, they usually meant they were playing on a sports team. And you've also got other youth activities. But when you hear the stories of, of like Joyce Hall starting Hallmark with a shoebox full of cards that he'd brought from Nebraska, and he did that all while living at a room at the YMCA, and that was many years ago. I mean, decades ago, the 1910s, if I remember right. So 100 years ago, you have a rich history. You've been serving Kansas City since 1860, How did the YMCA get its start? What brought it to Kansas City? A
1: long time ago, long before I was here, but I I have read stories. (laughs)
0: All
1: of us. So it was during around the 1860, and and at the time, there were only about uh, 4,000 people that were living in Kansas City, and that was kind of the new frontier, you know, the Industrial Revolution and and the Wild West and things happening with the development of what was going to be a fantastic city into the future. But at the time, there was an individual by the name of Reverend W.M. Leftwich and he was actually a pastor of an Episcopal church and it was on South 5th Street here in the Kansas City area between Delaware and Wyandotte streets and he was very concerned around a lot of the moral dangers that men faced particularly in that environment. A lot of people that were sinister or maybe didn't have an individual's uh, desires to ensure that they were doing the right thing so he wanted to be able to have a place where young men can kind of come together and make sure that they were being guided properly because he knew at that time those would be our civic leaders for the future. And so it started in 1860 through him wanting to work on this. And about 14 years later, actually started getting facilities and meeting in churches and former banks. And then away from there, the Y continued on in the Kansas City area.
0: And there's also some really fun facts that are associated with the Y that I don't think... A lot of our listeners have any idea that they have roots in the YMCA. Do you want to talk
1: about some of those? Well, a couple of them are uh, Father's Day. Every year when we uh, talk about Father's Day, that was something that started at a YMCA. Also, a gentleman by the name of James Naismith, who was at the University of Kansas, actually part of the YMCA first started the very first uh, basketball types of programs. Also some things like volleyball originally got its start in the YMCA and then if we go throughout history there are even things like the YMCA establishing the first English as a secondary language program in 1856 as job training. Mm -hmm and then continued on with things like the very first night school in 1893 and did a lot of work to be able to support the military and then their families, and even did work during the Civil War and the founding of the USO much later on. So why has certainly been part of history over the last 160 years and a lot of great work that's been done.
0: The Y does have such a rich history. One of the things that organizations struggle with, though, is staying relevant. After 162 years, how does the why stay relevant today?
1: The YMCA over the years as a non-for-profit, its purpose and its existence should be to change based on what the relevant needs are of its community. And it's certainly no question that the why today looks different than it did 100 years ago and certainly looks completely different than what it even looked you know, 10 or even 20 years ago. And so being able to adapt to what some of those changes are is why we do what we do. You know at one time the YMCA had more hotel rooms than the Marriott and that's just not a business that the Y does anymore because there were other providers and services that ended up meeting that demand. So the Y has to continue to evaluate What are the needs of its communities? And I'll tell you, and that may mean uh, giving up some things that we did previously, just simply because it's not something that either the Y does well or services that might not be needed. So the way that we do stay relevant is that we do stay connected in our communities. And that's one of the foundational components of the Y is how is it that we strengthen our community? We do it by ourselves, we do it with partners, we do it with civic leaders, we do it with our neighborhoods, and in fact, we're extremely more open today in working together with other organizations to ensure that we are delivering relevant services into our community. So it's changing all the time.
0: So you don't have to be a member of the Y. You can become a member of the Y.
1: Yeah, we certainly want people to be members of the Y and most people see it like you said at the beginning, most people see the Y as our buildings and they see our swimming pools and our gymnasiums and those type of things and let me tell you, very proud of those and as being a member of the Y, you certainly are able to take advantage of those assets, but you can also be an advocate for the Y or a member who contributes to the organization and believe in the mission of what it is that we do because we do enormous amount of services that aren't even in our buildings at all and so we're here to lift up the community and make connections and provide services whether they're in a facility or not in the facility, or regardless if you're a member of the Y or not a member of the Y.
0: How has the pandemic impacted your work?
1: The one thing that the Y is, is a organization that's all about social engagement. Well, the one thing that we've been told for almost two years is to not be socially engaged. And that's difficult. That's extremely difficult. We want people to be able to come together and gather, and we just simply have not been able to do that. So it has impacted us, like most folks, financially. Our organization has been hit significantly by the pandemic, having lost about 45% of its resources than what it did the pre-pandemic time period. So we did have to reinvent ourselves and think about different ways that we can connect with individuals that we couldn't do before. And let me just give you just one small example. Uh, The Y does do a lot of work in helping our active older adult population and our senior citizens. And one of the biggest concerns that have happened over the pandemic is something called social isolation with our seniors. And in fact, it's one of the number one chronic conditions of seniors of being left alone. And so rather than working with them one on one, as we've done previously, we started making phone calls to our seniors. And we did over 80,000 Phone calls to seniors checking in just in a one-year mm-hmm. period, so we changed that. As you can imagine, those phone calls just don't last one minute. <laughs> you get on the phone and you start talking, and you learn a lot. And it's wonderful our staff to be able to connect with our seniors and and ensure that someone's uh, reaching out and making sure that they're okay. So that's just one example. You
0: faced some of the same problems that many nonprofits faced during this time. You were charged with delivering more services. I mean. Your kind of organization was needed more than ever, the childcare needs, and like you say, the senior need. But uh, when you're financially strapped, that's really difficult to do.
1: Absolutely, no question about it. And as a non-for-profit organization, we're really not that much more unique than anyone else that was facing closures and not being able to deliver upon your promise and the services that you provide. And and in turn, that impacted the WISE organization as well. As a part of that, the organization had about 45% less revenues than it did before, and that impacts your ability to hire staff, pay the bills, the utilities, and keep the infrastructure going. And I'm so proud of our local bank country club, who kind of stepped in and worked with us over this last year to ensure that we were going to be around for the next hundred years. In fact, I've got to do a shout out to Mr. Craig Gaffney over at Country Club Bank. And having a local bank partner and going through what we did over the last year, I think was extremely important and pivotal to our success that we experienced during the last year and a half, and what I believe will be our continued future growth for the YMCA for years to come.
0: You know, some of the alarming evidence that we're hearing about that's being reported as a consequence of the pandemic is its impact on children. You mentioned the social isolation of adults, but there's two ways in particular that we're hearing about it occurring with children. And one is that it has really magnified the learning gaps in learning loss, especially in underserved areas where it was more pronounced anyway. And then the other impact is... On children's mental health, how has the YMCA stepped in to address those issues?
1: It all kind of started back uh, at the start of the pandemic when schools began to close and started going to this remote learning concept, which led to what it is that you were talking about. But at the very beginning, we, as a community, had to figure out how is it that we can ensure those that maybe did not have access to internet, those that were did didn't have the ability to be able to do uh, learning uh, remotely. What could the why do? And we actually ended up partnering uh, with multiple organizations to find places to be able to support the school's remote learning program and to provide a back-end support to children to help them get through a lot of these remote type of homework things that they needed to do. But the consequences of a lot of that we didn't really start to see until the end of the school year where there were individuals that had lost complete grade levels in preparation of going into the next school year. So what the Y did is we partnered with several of the school districts that were most impacted like Center School District and the Kansas City, Kansas School District and those that were at some of our urban core areas and asked our teachers and educators to identify children that were at risk of learning loss and having been at risk of not being at grade level for the next year. So we identified 150 children this last summer and uh, were able to work with them to help with some of this learning loss and got them back up to grade level uh, by the start of the next year. And And it was through partnership of us being able to kind of offer those types of services. The second part that you mentioned in terms of mental health And I will tell you, parents certainly were extremely concerned about their children's mental health. And we saw one of the largest increases in our summer day camp this last year, because parents needed to get their children back to some level of normance uh, that they hadn't experienced for the past year. And I think our staff and ensuring that kids can be kids and have an opportunity to express themselves and be able to do some of the things that they hadn't been doing the previous year. So it was wonderful to be able to see us lift up summer day camp programs in all parts of our community and give children a chance to kind of do some things they hadn't been doing the previous year.
0: On another level, the YMCA is committed to social responsibility as well. I mean, we talked about what you stepped in and did for the kids, for the seniors, but you also have a diversity, equity, and inclusion effort. Talk to us about what you're doing in that arena and what impact you have had there.
1: Well, we have for quite some time, as an organization, uh, been committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And in fact, part of our mission statement is that we are for all. Uh, Although we are a Christian organization, we're not a church, and we're inclusive of everyone. We, every day, do all we can to ensure that we foster social connectedness, strengthen support networks, and encourage investments into our communities. And we do this every day, and that is part of what our strategy is. And part of that is to bring our communities together uh, and create social cohesion. And part of the work that we do at one of our YMCA's is we every day welcome new Americans to our community and help them get through their citizenship to become United States citizens. And so we want to be that place where people do feel welcomed and where their concerns are heard, and we get opportunities to be able to ensure that we're a safe place for everyone.
0: You've talked about how the why of today isn't the why of 162 years ago, that it has evolved. It's not even what it was 10 years ago, even. So if you had to sum up the why's presence in Kansas City for the last 162 years and how it's shaped the city— how would you describe that?
1: I, I think at the top of the list is the the Y organization has done a lot in order to strengthen the foundation of our communities. What's fantastic about the Y is we're local, but we're also connected to a national organization and our Ys are representative of each of the individual communities they serve. We're in 5 different counties and 11 municipalities serving both Kansas and Missouri and the uniqueness of the organization is that the things that are happening, let's say, in Platte City may be completely different than things that are happening in Spring Hill. So, we we've been able to do as an organization is to adapt to whatever the needs are for that day, for that individual community, without necessarily having a cookie cutter approach to solving all the issues or or providing whatever the opportunities are. I guess part of what is fantastic about the why and why we've been around for such a long time is the diversity of our communities and our volunteer network and being able to step up for whatever that individual community need is.
0: You know, as society and as specific communities continue to evolve and change as they have over the last many decades that you've been in existence, do you see any new issues on the horizon that the why will be creating programs to address?
1: Well, I think one of the things that, that certainly a lot of people are very much aware of today, and they have been for quite some time, is the importance of your individual health. The one thing that COVID has taught us is being healthy is very important. And so things regarding health and those items that can be prevented things like high blood pressure and being able to do things to keep your blood pressure low, or diabetes management or pre-diabetes. Diabetes Diabetes is impacting enormous number of people throughout our country, and the Y has developed programs and services in order to help those individuals that are pre-diabetic from becoming diabetic. And then there are even things regarding Alzheimer's and brain disease, and very excited about our partnership that the Y has with the University of Kansas Alzheimer's Center, where we're testing out how physical activity can help slow down brain disease. Not cure it, but slow it down. And then we've got to think about our youth and what they're getting exposed to, and, and changing programs and meeting them where they are. Things like eSports as a way to be able to uh, have a safe place for children to access technology and help break down the digital divide. So we have to continue to be nimble as an organization and respond to things that we may not even know about what might be needed in the future.
0: Tell us about how people can get involved with the why, other than participating in your programs. Do you use volunteers? Is there ways that people can help support the why.
1: Yeah, I think number one is to be an advocate for our YMCA. We would love to have individuals that are supportive of the work that we're wanting to do, just to be involved as a volunteer. Just one example is, you know, over the last year, we have been setting up mobile food distribution in all of our parking lots. And we rely on volunteers and our partners with Harvester that helps with the food to ensure that this food gets out to all the families that need it. And it can be also serving as coaches for our sporting programs, or even a little bit further in volunteering to be on one of our committees and our boards to help connect community stakeholders with other things that are happening in the community. And of course, you can also get involved by contributing to the why. This work that we do is to ensure that no one doesn't have the ability to participate in our programs and services, and we want to ensure that financial barriers is not the thing that's gonna prevent them so, we would certainly welcome individuals to contribute to the Y as well.
0: So you have a really important event coming up here within just a week or so. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, every year the YMCA has a challenger program, and our challenger program is specifically for individuals that have physical disabilities. And we actually have a sports complex with a baseball field and soccer field that was designed specifically to be able to accommodate individuals with physical disabilities. And this program has been around in our Community for over 10 years. We serve 1,500 families in the greater Kansas City area, and we do this at no cost whatsoever. And our ability to be able to provide funding for that program is done through this annual event that's called the Cheers Challenger Fashion Show, which we will have coming on uh, Saturday, March the 5th at the Lowe's Hotel. And this information can be found on our website. And if it's something that uh, the listeners are interested in joining, we'd love to see them at our event coming up on March the 5th. The website is KansasCityYMCA.org.
0: John, thank you so much for the work that you do, that your staff does, and all the volunteers associated with the Y do to help strengthen our communities and to bring uh, needed services and programs to everyone. We appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you. This is Joe
0: Close, president of Country Club Bank. Thank you to John Mykos for being our guest on this episode of Banking on KC. The YMCA of Greater Kansas City has been strengthening our local community for more than 160 years. The key to the Y's longevity has been its ability to pivot programs and resources to serve the changing needs of Kansas City residents and neighborhoods. That has been especially true during the COVID pandemic. Strengthening our hometown community is at the heart of Country Club Bank's culture too. We're grateful for the opportunity to support the community building efforts of the YMCA of Greater Kansas City. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're banking on you, Kansas City. Country Club Bank, member FDIC.